0: Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. As we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone, as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with Seattle Mariner All-Star, Mitch Hanniger. All right, let's do this. And now, here's Here's your your host, Brett Boone. Boone.
1: Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone. And today on the program, I'm joined by a fellow Seattle Mariner He was an All-Star in 2018 and in 2021. He led the Mariners with 39 homers and 100 ribbies. Ladies and gentlemen, Mitch Hanniger. Mitch, thanks for coming on the program. Brett, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. You got it. My generation, Mitch, and, and probably the generation before that, we didn't have to deal with with these rule changes, you know, we grow up as little leaguers. We go through our our, our high school and our college days, and the game kind of remained the same. There'd be little tweaks here and there, but it seems like your generation, in particular, it seems like every year we got a new rule. You know, it's replays, and and last year it was the ghost runner for extra innings, which. For, for someone that's been around the game like myself for a lot of years, it was funny to watch that. I felt like I was at a, at a little league tournament. Um, <laughs> you know, my generation, yeah, you could crush the catcher and then all of a sudden the catcher rule comes in and, and I didn't even know how to interpret it really. People would ask me, was that a legal slide? I said, I don't know because right. we're used to, but you guys seem to have something new every year. How is that for the, for the modern day player? And is, is it tough? for you guys to adapt to it seems like never ending, never ending changes.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, some, some of them can be difficult to adjust to, but I think, uh, as players just, you don't get to the big leagues unless you're able to make adjustments. So for a lot of times, it's just like, um, learning the new rule and, and getting used to it. And unfortunately, and well, fortunately and unfortunately, there will be a lot of new rules uh, implemented by MLB in the years to come. I know there's, um, definitely a few that they're thinking about adding in next year. So, um, as a player, you can't really do much about it. We can voice our opinions and concerns. And, um, when the new rules come in, we just kind of have to put on our hats and get to work. But, um, some of them I've really enjoyed and some, some other ones, you know, haven't been too enjoyable, but that's just the way it goes. And I guess at the end of the day, as long as, um, rules are keeping players safer and, um, you know, fans are, are liking them and we're, they're coming out to the ballpark and having a good time. That's all that really matters.
1: Yeah, I do. you know what I do like? I do like that replay because in, in years past, especially in a big game, could be a playoff series, you know, that play at first base. And we've seen the umpire yeah. get it wrong and it's crucial. And sometimes that's the difference between a team moving on or a team going home. You know, on a on a bang bang call at first base, I, I liked that rule, even though it it adds a little bit of length to the game. I think in two thousand twenty two, you see it with all sports. You know, NFL yeah. started it with the replay, and I think it was just a matter of time. There are certain rules too. Me as a as a kind of a purist of the game, I think you do have to adapt with with the times and and the technology we have moving forward. I I, I do think there is uh, room for some changes just to keep up with the times. But, uh,
2: you know, I like to keep it as pure as possible. All right.
1: Mitch yeah, Hanniger. Definitely, definitely
2: with you on that. Um, it's like I said, as long as the newer rules are keeping guys safer, that's fine. The one, the one thing that I feel like has, you know, compl- I, I think there was a play about a week or two ago and I'm all for, um, making player safety a priority, but at the same time, like, when I grew up watching baseball, like there was an element to when a ground balls hit up the middle and you have to turn to like part of turning a double play is being able to avoid the runner because, you know, he's not just going to let you turn to and now you have no <laughs> option other than to just go right into the bag and, and almost try not to make contact where um, I think that's you kind of see some more of the athleticism from a middle infielder when they're required to try to avoid the runner because you know he's not going to just let you turn a nice, quick, easy double play. But um, I think if there was a balance between the two, that would be that would be awesome. No, and you're speaking my
1: language there. That's the one rule that really bugs me because as a second baseman, uh, th- the only way you can separ- separate yourself defensively you know, to, to be, you know, when I was playing, it was like there were certain second basemen that I really respected how good they were defensively. And what separates a great second baseman from just an average second baseman is his ability to turn that big double play when you got someone barreling down on you, you know, nowadays with, with how you explained it, you got to, you got to slide right in. Anybody can turn a double play. I, right. You know, with the shifts, you can put a third baseman at second and as long as there's no there's no worry about I, I'm going to get injured or my legs are going to get tangled or I'm going to get caught in a bad position. Well, then it's easy to turn a double play. So I kind of take, uh, I take, I take that kind of personal. Like you, you're yeah. not giving us any way to separate the great from the from right. the deep
2: from the decent. So that's and one I, of the I, rules I don't really like. Yeah, and I think there might be a way to like. Um, modify it to where, like, <laughs> you can break up a double play. You also shouldn't be looking to break a guy's leg, but at the same time, you know, like, a little bit of contact and, and a little bit more athleticism, I think, for for a viewer would be more fun to watch as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I agree with that. Okay, Mitch Haniger, you grew up in San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about talk about you as a kid. Give me a little snapshot of young Mitch Hanniger. What were you like? I know you're a football player, uh, baseball, obviously just, just give me a little, uh, walkthrough of you as a kid.
2: Uh, pretty crazy. If you ask family members and, uh, (laughs) neighbors growing up, um, no, yeah, definitely a little too busy as a kid, a little too crazy, but played a lot of sports, um, baseball, football, basketball, a little bit of soccer, a little bit of hockey, um, couldn't stay inside Loved being outdoors playing you know we played t-ball uh wiffle ball you know street hockey i mean we, we did pretty much everything as a kid We played baseball and tennis courts at night um pretty much always just busy getting into trouble and um it was fun I had a great childhood I had two um, cl- cousins that were a year above and below me and my brother that was four years above me and spent a lot of time just outdoors playing with each other and, you know, playing tackle football, playing, playing sports pretty much nonstop.
1: Uh, Archbishop Mitty. That was your high school. Yeah. Um, when did you kind of have an idea like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be able to go on and go to the next level. I know you had a lot of guys recruiting you at a, at a college or, or at a high school. You end up landing at, at Cal Poly. It was your choice. But I'm looking at some of the, uh, some of the uh, colleges that recruited Cal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I want to say UC Davis. You're
2: a good student. Mm, not really. <laughs> a, no. couple years, no, a couple years <laughs> in high school, like right below 3.0 and a couple years right above a 3.0. So, I mean, pretty much as average as it gets. And uh, my my wife and I went to high school. She helped me a lot throughout high school. So, she definitely kept my uh, grades up higher. Um, but yeah, like went to, went to Cal Poly, loved it there. Um, grew up in San Jose, Archbishop Mitty. We had a you know, really good high school team. I think our... One, one of the years we had, you know, six or seven guys play um, in D1 and at least six guys ended up playing professionally too uh, in the minor leagues in, in uh, two big years from my high school team. So, um, yeah, really good program. 31st uh, round pick of the Mets.
1: Now, you know, we, ha- we have similar stories. I was 29th round out of high school. Now, if you ask – uh, me, when I was 18 years old, I was the greatest player in the world. And how could you dare pick me in the 29th round? And I wanted to, <laughs> you know, go professional. My, you know, I ended up going to to USC and it wasn't really an option, especially back, you know, back then it was 1987 and, you know, the money just wasn't there. What was your thought coming out of high school when you got drafted? Do you, did you even consider it or you just said, no, college is the route for me.
2: Yeah. I, uh, I was, I actually, I asked for like $400,000 or more and I would have signed and looking back on it, I'm I'm happy they didn't, they didn't offer me anywhere um, near that because I probably uh, developed a lot better in college and and I had such a great time at Cal Poly and learning from Coach Lee and um, played with a lot of good, good teammates that pushed me to become better. So um, that, that experience for me was definitely invaluable and I couldn't, and you know, for me, college was, you know, one of the funnest times of my life. So I wouldn't give that up looking back and. Um, really actually thankful that a team didn't draft me higher and that the Mets didn't offer me uh, any good money
1: you make a great point and and it's been brought up on the on the show quite a bit you know I, I i'm i'm often interested in the young guys that sign right out of high school they're 17 18 years old you know i we all think we're ready when we're 18 we're ready to take tackle the world but I, like you, same thing. I went to college. is was the best thing that could have happened to me because I, I think it gave me, you know, a few years to kind of grow up. And, and I'm on my own, but, you know, I'm close enough to home that I can go home anytime and, and mom's still there to cook me dinner and, and do my laundry. So, But I had to be responsible on my own. I, I think it gave me those two or three years were invaluable for me as, as growing up. And when I, you know, got drafted my junior year, I felt like I was ready and I got to the big leagues in a year and a half. And and who knows what would have happened if that that 18-year-old kid uh just signed. It's tough out there. Oh and, yeah, and definitely. It take it takes and as you know at at that vulnerable 17 or 18 years old uh Everybody's not ready for that, you know. There's only a certain type of of kid, of athlete that's ready to play professional baseball at 18 years old, and and sometimes maybe they go out too early, and and it can kind of ruin a kid. Yeah, the elite they, guys, the elite guys, the the Bryce Harper's of the world, the Ken Griffey Juniors of the world. Yes, they're gonna they're gonna be okay, right. but but for the average kid, it takes a special. I think maturity wise beyond their years at 18 and the physicality.
2: Yeah. I tell kids like, if you have any doubt, go to college because the last thing you want to do is sign professionally, get out to, you know, short season or a ball and you go, I, this is not for me. You know, your whole life's going to turn upside down, go to college. And um, if you're good enough to play professionally, you will play well in college and you'll find your way getting drafted or signing with a team out of college. And, you know, that's, there's a lot of big leaders to do that, that do it that way. Your
1: freshman of the year at, at Cal Poly, your, your junior year, uh, you're an all American and now, uh, getting ready for the draft. Your draft was a 2012 draft. You're, you end up being a sandwich pick, um, which for those of you don't know what a sandwich pick that's in between the first and the second round. Uh, that's where, that's where Mitch was picked. Take me through draft day different 2012. Once again, my draft when, when I signed was 1990, you know, we didn't have the social media. We didn't have uh, all the Intel that we have today. What was it like for you leading up to that draft? Did you have any uh, indications of who was going to draft you, where you're going to be picked? Just take me through that day.
2: Yeah, no. So that day my mom came down to San Luis Obispo because I still had finals going on. Um, I believe I was going through finals like the day of the the draft, but I didn't have any like at that time. So we went out to get some lunch and we were going to watch the draft at um, – like a bar or something and then i was like this is not for me like i want to be home in my uh, college house with with so my mom and and uh girlfriend wife at the time now we went back to my college house and all my buddies were just watching the draft and um my advisor who's my agent now was just like yeah like you have a good shot of going on the first day because they were doing uh picks one through 60 right so the first round and then um picks 31 through um 60 were on the same day as well and he was like you know we're hoping to go on the first day don't know we'll see how it goes I'll let you know and then I was just watching the draft and then pick 38 Milwaukee Brewers announced my name and um got pretty excited and pretty happy and kind of uh took me out of surprise because I didn't I hadn't heard anything from him he once he found out he was like I just wanted to be a surprise so he made sure I was watching and then uh I found out just by them announcing my name
1: isn't it interesting that like you you have implic you have in indications throughout your you know leading up to that draft i remember i was talking to the yankee scout it seemed like every day every scout that i was talking to except for the mariners and that's who i got drafted by and and i i got the call and i go seattle mariners i've never even, <laughs> i've never even talked to anybody from the yeah. seattle mariners and it seems like more times than not we're always surprised about who drafted us yeah yeah
2: definitely I actually wasn't – I'd say the one the one team that I won't mention who was, like, the scout was, like, hounding me, like, kept asking me, like, would you take this? Would you take this? And it was, like, the local area scout. And so my agent was, like, just don't even respond to it. And, like, the scouting director and the GM rather to be the ones deciding, like, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> just just stay by your phone and watch and don't let this guy, like, get in your head. You started off
1: at Appleton. Uh, you played in the Florida State League. And you went over to Arizona and played in the fall league. Um, the fall league was came just after, you know, kind of after my time. So I'd already been through the minor leagues. I, I went over to the fall league and I, I got to watch my brother, Aaron, when, you know, he was four years younger than me. And I went over and watched that fall. I, I Interesting. It kind of the, my claim to fame. I went to the fall league and I had like a year in the big league. So, you know, I feel like the big guy. Yeah. And, and, uh, they asked me they they knew I was there watching my brother and they said, "Hey, Michael Jordan, this one Jordan was come making a making his push to play baseball." He said, "Hey, Jordan's in, you know, playing on the visiting team tonight and if you had a at a minute, could you could you come talk to him? He wants to ask you some questions." So I kind of was like, now puff my chest out a little bit more. Ah, the greatest basketball player in the world. <laughs> wants some advice on how to hit and and that's my uh, remembrance of the of the uh, Arizona Fall League. How was that for you? And I don't know. was is that something you ever play winter ball or is just the fall league?
2: I never played winter ball just the fall league and I had a great experience. It was really cool playing with um, I think it was six different clubs on our team. Uh, at least five, five or six different clubs playing with a whole bunch of guys, uh, different prospects from different organizations all come together for, you know, like six weeks and play. And we actually won the championship that year. I had a great we had a great team, had a great, um, great run. And um, yeah, like Mookie Betts was on our team, Jonathan Scope, Eduardo Rodriguez. We, we had a bunch of big leaguers um, on our team and great time. That was definitely a, a highlight in the minor leagues was playing in the fall league. This is where it kind of, uh, doing my
1: prep work, it kind of gets interesting for me in in your journey through the minor leagues. Uh, 2014, you get traded to the Diamondbacks, go to double A Southern League. Where were you in the Southern League? I played in the Southern League, it was Jacksonville then. I I don't think Jacksonville's in that league.
2: I started in Huntsville, played in Huntsville, I got traded. Uh, then I went to – w- I was hurt at the time. I had something going off my elbow, so I went to Arizona for a couple weeks, but then joined backup of the team – the Arizona team in um, Mobile, Alabama, Mobile Bay Bears, and played there for parts of three years. So, 14, you go to – you get traded.
1: You go to – you end up playing in Double A that year. To start the 2015 season, you go to Double A. You're hitting 281. Next thing you know, you get sent to Visalia. So you've been tr- your first round pick, essentially sandwich pick. You get traded. You're in double A. Now you're in A ball. You're retooling your swing. What are you thinking in 2015 when you're down in Visalia? Or was that something that was discussed that, you know, that was part of the plan?
2: Yeah, so I guess it started after I got traded um, going into the first offseason. That offseason uh, didn't get a big league camp invite. was really hoping for one. I had went the year before with the Brewers. Um, you know, spring training is kind of meaningless, but played well. So I was like, okay, maybe next. And then had a decent year in A, So I was like, okay, hopefully I'll get another big league camp invite. Uh, didn't and then uh, didn't play a whole lot in spring training, was backing up a lot of games, Went to went to Mobile. And, uh, like played the first game and then sat the bench and then I, I wasn't playing a whole lot. And so was, that was pretty frustrating. I remember reading a lot about swing mechanics then and, and trying to take the time and frustration to figure out, all right, well, if I'm not playing well, like I got to get better and, fi- and prove these people wrong. That was kind of my mindset. So, um, I'd actually asked for my release a couple times and asked to be sent down a couple times. Um, because we just kept getting more outfield guys and they, they would tell me that, you know, we, we like this guy better and these guys need to get at bats. So I'm like, okay, well send me down to high because if I'm not getting that bats up here, I know how, what my future looks like within the next year or two, I'm going to be released and on the couch because nobody's getting to the big league, sitting the bench. And I knew if I went down to high and I raked, hopefully people's eyes would open and, or hopefully another team would see me and and trade for me. Um, and kind of both things happened. Uh, the year after that so went down to high A for the second half played really well um and then they were kind of like i remember at, at the very end of the year i broke my handmate and i talked to our farm director and i was just like hey like what's it looking like for me next year like am i gonna ha-? he's like no you're gonna you're gonna play more like don't worry and like basically like yeah like we you're better than we thought i think is what what they were trying to tell me and the next year, went back to Double A, played well. Went to Triple A, played well, and then got called up to the big leagues. And then uh, in that off season is when I got traded to the Mariners. You got your kind of a little more than a cup of coffee in sixteen. You, you definitely, yeah, long. definitely a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah.
1: but I mean a little bit more. You know, the cup. I don't know. I don't know what it, what what we're you defining as a cup of coffee. But you get your first, you get your first shot. First hits a triple. I think you're the only one in in. Uh, in diamondbacks history first hit to be a trip where'd you hit it did you, did, was it was right one center. of those oh it was right center so it didn't get caught in the tarp or anything like that so no, right center, no, yeah. yeah
2: right center it luckily didn't bounce over it hit the top of the fence and came back so allowed me to get to third and so it was just a ground rule level
1: 16 you get traded to the mariners with uh you go over there with segura
2: and uh, what are you thinking at this point i was really excited um cause kind of going into that off season um, what the D-backs had told my agent is like, you know, we don't know who we're going to sign, where Mitch stands. You know, we, we obviously like him, but um, you know, he might just be competing for like fourth outfield job. And then um, I got the, the call of Thanksgiving right before Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving night uh, that I got traded to the Mariners. And I was like, man, it's like a whirlwind cause it just made my debut with one club. But um, you know, it's like, you know, Jerry had told me that they wanted me to get a lot of bats this next season. And they see me as an everyday guy. And um so I got really excited and then obviously um, won the job in spring training and, and played well the first year, other than a couple couple small injuries getting hit in the face and the oblique in the finger. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was it was really excited getting traded to the West Coast and to Seattle and uh was really excited to get up here. You got hit in the face by Degrom, didn't you? Yeah. Wow.
1: Never got a hit in the face, but I've seen it. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> not. The question I have for you is, you know, we all have our kind of our moment. I remember mine, you know, I was up and I got called up. I got sent down. I got called up. I sent. I, I was on that on that. Uh, I don't know what you call it, that roller coaster. Right. Lou Pinella, It seemed like every time I saw him, he was sending me down or calling me up and there was a moment where i finally thought wow i i now i'm here and i made it did you have a time you had a great year in 17 you hit 280 with 16 homers and and 47 ribbies and and i think just under 400 400 ab's was there a moment for you where you just finally said you know what i'm a big licker because it's it's not instantaneous for all of us yeah when we get called up we have a big league uniform of course we're big leaguers but did you have a moment where you kind of kind of finally said you know what I
2: belong here I, I would say it wasn't like a specific day or anything but I think that year um, with a lot of ups and downs and just being like look I got hurt a couple times I but at the end of the day like I played pretty well like I know I can hang up here I know I, and then heading into that off season, um i was like i'm gonna make an all-star team like i my goal my next my goal is to be be like one of the best outfielders in the game is to be be a top top guy um so heading into the next year my goal was was you know to keep to have a great year and hopefully make an all-star team and luckily did that in 18 um yeah and and, you know my my goal every year is to win a world series and that's that's the next one and hopefully we'll we'll accomplish that this year 2018 Yeah.
1: 26 homers driving 93 you are an all-star for the first time i remember that first time i got i got the call and said you made the all-star team i mean it was like kid in a candy shop right what was that like for you yours was in dc um Take me through that. Just, just walking into the locker room and, you know, there's certain, there's certain milestones we hit as, as professional baseball players. We sign as a pro, uh, you, that first time he's, you step stepped into a big league batter's box and next thing you're at the all star game for me, who was, it was huge. Uh, what was it like for you?
2: Crazy, like pretty surreal, you know, just being in a clubhouse with a whole bunch of stars and being in a clubhouse where, you know, I grew up watching some of the guys, um, that were lockers were next to me. So that was, that was definitely a whirlwind. And, um, don't get starstruck too often, but you know, being in a room with all those guys and being like, Oh man, I like made this team and I'm with all these guys was, was a pretty cool experience. And, um, yeah, definitely super thankful and grateful that I I got the call and and was able to go out there to DC and make the all-star team and, um, pretty cool with all family and friends coming there too. And, um, yeah, just, just a great experience.
1: Roll it into 19. You end up missing a hundred games. And, uh, we just had one of your buddies, one of my buddies on, on the program recently, uh, Rick Griffin. And, uh, he was telling me about your injury and, and he said he ruptured his testicle. Tell me, walk me through that at this point in your, in your career, you've, you've had quite a few injuries. You've had to come back, back from the hamate bone you mentioned earlier. Uh, that 2019 that that doesn't sound
2: like a lot of fun no that was a rough one obviously oh Uh, man yeah a lot of a lot of pain a lot of yeah that that sucked um yeah pretty much just you know foul ball hit me in the thigh and and got my right testicle and uh ruptured you know surgery all that gig and then just a lot of injuries that that um kind of came in the recovery from that um and it was just unfortunate. But for all those things like I just for me, it's best to just put it behind me and focus on what I can do now. And I just know that from going through all that stuff, like I know my body a lot better now. And I was able to address a lot of things uh, movement wise and strength wise that maybe uh, wouldn't have focused on if I didn't um, have any of those things happen to me. So I'm um, just thankful for, for where I'm at now and feel back to full strength and even stronger and uh, more mobile than ever. So. For me, it's it's just not looking back. I mean, understanding like that sucked, but at the same time, not looking back and just pushing forward and continuing to try to get better every day. Because in nineteen,
1: you had some other injuries on top of that that rolled over into two thousand twenty. You end up being uh, you end up being a dad for the first time in two thousand twenty, and you didn't play, and that was the COVID shortened you know sixty game schedule. Um, And for the first time, you know, in your professional career, you're kind of sitting back in a fan seat now and watching your team play, uh, how was that experience for you, two thousand twenty? I know as a fan, I, I was real. You know, I, I didn't know what to think. Like, how are they going to pull this off? No right. fans in the stands. That, that that's really bizarre. I thought, I thought from a TV and from an entertainment side, I, I thought they did as good a job as they could have done. Oh, definitely. You know, piping in the sound and it was kind of realistic. You know, as long as you didn't show the the empty stands too often. You know, it, it, I, I thought they did a pretty good job. I, they tweaked the, the playoff schedule to make it really tough uh, to get to that World Series and to win the World Series, and I, I thought they did uh, a really good job. Different though, you know, I, I couldn't imagine being in my in the middle of my, you know, a current player, and all of a sudden I'm I'm kind of sitting on my couch watching it. How was that for you?
2: Yeah, it was weird. It was it was, it was definitely tough at times, and um, but for me, I. It's it's kind of was kind of a weird weird feeling to have because I wanted to be out there playing, but at the same time I knew I had to make sure I you know go th- slow through my recovery and make sure I'm checking every boxes when it comes to my rehab stuff. And um, I think it actually really helped me kind of just getting away from the game for a little bit, um, dealing with with two uh, big surgeries, and um, you know I had a sports hernia surgery and a back surgery two weeks apart. So uh, it was nice just not really having the constant daily grind and, and to get back on the field, like to kind of have, you know, people looking over you being like, all right, when are you going to go? When are you going to go? Um, I was able to just really focus on on my body and making sure I was taking my time with everything and super weird just watching the, the games every night on TV and, um, especially with no fans being there. But, um, yeah, at the end of the day, I got to spend some more time with my wife who was expecting in the next few months. Um, you know we del- she delivered our daughter in December so throughout the summer months you know she would she was uh, getting pretty pregnant so it was-, it was fun to be with her yeah very cool 2021
1: and uh you know that's when I started. I always have like a special eye on you guys just because of my time in Seattle and you know I probably always consider myself you know when you finish your career one day mitch you'll know it's like wh- what do you consider yourself so, well I'm a mariner you know some right. of my best years were there and and the relationships I had in Seattle and and the special teams we had in the early 2000s still a lot of a lot of buddies from from those days so I always keep a keep an eye on you guys but man I'll tell you what it's been thin <laughs> it's been rough yeah. following my Mariners every day hey Booney how's your Mariners doing I'm like oh they're having a rough time you know it's been right. obviously you hear about it more than you want to hear about it haven't been in the playoffs in, in 20 years Last year, you made it exciting. You had a great year. You had 39 homers, and you drove in 100 runs. Uh, both both highs for you, and you won 90 games. And I was watching you right down the stretch. I'm going, are they going to pull this off? Um, there hasn't been that much to cheer about in Seattle. I saw at the end of the at the end of the year, the fans starting to come out, and and a little bit of that magic that that had been there, you know, earlier this this decade was that the the most excited you've seen the city kind of come alive a little bit the end of last year
2: oh my god yeah no nothing even compares to it and i think you're you're definitely right there's just that magic that we have and this is a special place and especially when when um we're playing well and, and t-mobile's packed it's a completely different atmosphere so uh huge thank you to the fans for all the support last year. And hopefully you guys keep coming out this year because it means the world to us. And, um, you know, this is the year we're going to, we're going to take it. I'm telling you that city,
1: Mitch, you guys win those guys. It's the most supportive city. And I, and I got to, you know, I was fortunate enough to play in a lot of, a lot of places It you know, I played with the Braves for a year and and we had some real good years in the, in the nineties with the Cincinnati Reds, but when we were winning in Seattle and the way that city responded to us do you go to many Seahawks games
2: i've been to a couple it's they're yeah. awesome
1: yeah and, and and that's that's what i felt i went to i went to a few uh a game a few years ago and i remember walking into the stadium and sitting there and the electricity in that stadium i'm like this is what it was like yep. at you know back when it was Safeco Field before T-Mobile and uh yeah oh I, I just go to Seattle, and that's why I'm pulling for you guys so much. I want you to to get back to because those fans, they they are. You show them a product, and and, and you win. They will show up, and, yeah. and it's really fun. I'd I'd love to get the city back, uh, that kind of atmosphere for you guys and the Seattle Mariners. Um, I want to talk about this 2022 season, and, and we talked off air, and I told you, you know, genuinely how I felt about this team. The more I watch these guys. I really see something different you guys have that that's been missing in Seattle baseball for a lot of years. You know, I I'll go down my list. You, you got the Crawford kid, who I think is going to be a really good player. Uh, Suarez coming over from from Cincinnati. You know, hopefully, you know, he, he hits for a little bit better average, but you know, one thing, he's gonna he's gonna hit the ball out of the ballpark. I really like Frazier at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, Winker, uh, Gilbert. Uh, Robbie Ray, you, you got that ace, that Cy Young at the top of the rotation. That, yeah. and I call it. He can, he can, he can have a little bit of cover for these young developing pitchers. Under Gilbert's developing much quicker than I thought he was. I saw his debut a year ago. I think he's matured a lot faster than I thought he was. As he's and so far the season's been dominant. Um, Castillo coming over from a real winning atmosphere in Tampa Bay, whatever they're doing in Tampa Bay with that budget, uh, unbelievable organization they, yeah. they've done. You know, I, I think they're kind of the blueprint for how to run an organization now, but uh, you're getting ready to get back on the field. You started off, you got three homers already, seven ribbies, but. And, and I know they're chomping at the bit to get you back. Uh, that's my take. I'm genuinely excited. I think you've closed the gap on that Houston Astros team that's kind of had a lock on that division for a while. Your thoughts on the 2022 season?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're. Uh, I think we're going to be a great ball club. I think we've showed we, we're pretty good already, and um, I think we just continue to, to stick to trying to get better every day and focusing on what we control and uh, we'll be in a really good, good spot come October. I mean, I feel like we have a, a really complete team. You look at the lineup, it's, it's a good lineup. You look at the starting pitching, we have good starting pitching. You look at the bullpen, it's elite. So I mean, and we play good defense. So I feel like we're going to be tough to beat. And um, I know if we just continue to keep our heads down, work hard and try to get better every day, I feel I feel like we're going to find ourselves in a really good position come October. And hopefully, uh, we're holding up a World Series trophy, at the end of end of October, early November. Well, that would be awesome. And and hopefully I'll get it. You know, I'm sure I'll get out to Seattle uh,
1: to see you guys at some point this season. But I just want to let you know I'm pulling for you guys. And and uh, I hope you get back. Have a great year. Your team has a great year. And I really appreciate you coming on on the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Get to know
2: you a little bit. And and uh, I'll be watching. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate all you guys watching and uh, supporting us. It means a lot.
1: You got it. And as we do each and every Boone podcast, at the end of the podcast, we kick it back to the
0: voice of the podcast, Dan Levy. Dan? That's going to do it for the Brett Boone podcast. My name is Dan Levy, the technical director, producer, voice of the Boone podcast, EP, executive producer, Rich Herrera, digital. All gets uploaded by Liz Landry. Do us a favor. Share the Boone podcast. Neighbors and friends and all those that love sports, make sure you subscribe never miss an episode and while you're at it give us a five star rating and share your feelings about the podcast by leaving a review on whatever platform you listen to the show for all of us here on the moon podcast he is brett boone you can find him on social media at the moon 29 i'm dan levy bass on air that is base on air all my social medias thanks for listening we'll do it again soon have a great one